Hello, if you've listened to this show before, you may recognize this as the sound of my voice. Unfortunately, this week, my voice sounds a little bit more like this. Now, I I know this is going to be hard to listen to because it sounds terrible. Um, I'm sorry, but I set the wrong input to my mic, and I promise I will never make this precise mistake again. So hopefully you can tolerate it for the episode. I recommend listening to it on small speakers like maybe an iPhone but it will sound terrible if you turn it up in your car. Anyway, try to enjoy. Our guest is amazing. I probably would have thrown this episode out, but Sean Locke brought so much wisdom about stock photography, there's no way I can delete it. So please bear with us. I promise it'll be worth it. Hi, welcome to Cameras or Whatever, the podcast for the working photographer. I'm Tyler Stallman. I'm Cameron Whitman. And as usual, we have Cameron Whitman. And today we have a special guest, Sean Locke. Hey guys, what's going on? Hey Sean. Hi Sean. So we've all known each other for a while now. Let's maybe start off by getting to know you a little bit, Sean. Oh, sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah, so what we know about you is that we, we all used to shoot for iStock Photo quite a bit, and we kind of grew up together all uh, taking stock photos. And you are one of the people that really understands how to... Uh, run this as a business. That's what I've really always looked up to you for is like you, you don't just act like, um, you know, an artist struggling to make money off of their passion. You know how to integrate it into your life and uh, make stock photography a real thing. And I think a lot of people look up to you for that. You blog about it, you talk about it on Twitter and um, you're just really passionate about it and active with it. And I love it. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, you know, I like uh, shooting and photography uh, as a hobby kind of thing, but I, you know, I see it as a viable way to support my family and everything. So, you know, I kind of approach it that way. And uh, so the business side takes up a lot of effort as well. That within itself seems like a really interesting statement, a viable way to support your family using photography. I think that like a lot of people would find that to be a bizarre <laughs> way to, to support your family but yeah I, you, it definitely is it definitely is it's not you know doing stock is different from doing assignment work uh mm-hmm. and going out and searching for that kind of thing sometimes it's just luck being in the right place at the right time finding the right opportunity um, that allows you to do that for sure how did you get started with it all Where, did you go to school the history in a nutshell um well i went <laughs> to school for tv radio film at syracuse university so i've you know, i've got a, i've always been interested in um Video production was really my main thing. Uh, I did some photography in high school. Uh, so I graduated from Syracuse, and uh, my goal was to work at Disney doing movies someday. <laughs> so uh, my roommate and I packed it up, moved to Florida, and uh, eventually I got into uh, Disney doing animation at the feature uh, film wow, studio. Wow, I had no idea. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I started off as a production assistant uh, doing computer graphics. And at the time, there weren't a lot of people who knew what computer graphics were. So that kind of got me in the door. I was, it was something I'd sort of independently studied on my own. And then once I was in there, I used, uh, you know, time when the animators weren't around to get on their workstations and teach myself. Uh, so eventually I moved up to be a technical director, which is just a, a guy that models and rigs the stuff for the animators. I did a little animation as well, but I, I worked on Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear and uh, Mulan, a little bit on Dinosaur and Tarzan. So you can see my name in all those credits if they don't squeeze it into the little window on the screen when you're watching. <laughs> I am so glad I brought you on just so I could find that out because I just didn't know somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was a great time. It's, it's, you know, it was a great group of people. Everybody's so darn creative. Animators are just, you know, crazy creative uh i'm still you know everybody's uh, kind of split up since the studio uh, was shut down in 2004 so it's fun to watch on facebook what you know what they're doing some people are have joined other studios some people are doing their own thing they're teaching other people they're they're independently producing their art so it's it's crazy to watch that is really cool how did it turn into photography from that why didn't it turn into selling illustrations or something yeah so uh, you know, I, I was doing the 3D work, uh, and uh, 2004, the studio closed down because they wanted to move the production uh, work to California, so it was all centered in one place. And uh, I was looking for some, I was looking for a job um, in in the area or someplace that wasn't California. And uh, I was trying to come up with an idea to make some spare money, so I was doing some animation just on you know at home and trying to put together a little uh, DVD that you would show in your home movie theater before. 
you know, the, the feature presentation. So if you're having friends over, you'd pop this in and it had trivia and little animations and stuff like that on it. And uh, so I'd made these uh, CG backgrounds of film reels and things. And I also needed some other stuff. So I Googled stock photos or something and I found iStock and I went there and I bought some images I used as backgrounds. Uh, and then when it was all done, I said, well, hey, I've got these pictures I made. Maybe I can sell them and get my money back. So that's when I started at iStock was um, 2004, August or so, selling my CG renders for five cents a pop. Cool. And, uh, <laughs> well, and that's really in the spirit of how iStock started, too, because at the beginning, it was just an exchange, basically, for people that were doing design and taking photos. So, like, if you uh, shot a photo that's useful to me if I and I have a photo that's useful to you, we'll just swap basically yeah so i guess you know it's, yeah it's kind of funny uh i also went on to uh, oh it wasn't photo shelter it was photo point shutter point shutter point which is a pay to host your stuff and sell it and i had very few sales if any if i remember there but the iStock thing kind of took off and i was selling my 3d stuff and i decided that when you do 3d it takes a lot of work to texture and model and everything and uh, you never know if what you're shooting or what you're creating is what the end buyer wants so I thought, well, this is taking me a long time to get through these renders. Uh, and I was looking around on iStock and I saw Lise, uh, who was having great success doing you know, photo work. And I said, well, you know, maybe this is a, a quicker way for me to sort of exp- you know, get some ideas out there that people might want you know, for their ads and designs. So I talked to my wife and convinced her that I should spend some money on a Rebel and uh, I bought the Rebel in December, and a couple weeks later, I bought some strobes, and I was shooting in my basement, and from there, it just kind of took off, because, uh, you know, back then, pretty much anything sold. Uh, it was just, you know, it was a great time to get started, and of course, the iStock exclusivity thing had just started as well in January. So, right when uh, Bruce, uh, who, if you don't know, uh, you know, was running iStock, uh, started that program up, I jumped right on, and um, so I didn't even experiment with any other stock sites at that time. Is that January 2015 you're saying? Yeah, 20, 25, 2005. Oh, 2005, I should say. Yeah, hey, 10 years ago. Because, yeah, that was, 2005 was the year that, that I started as well. When did, when did you start, Cameron? I started uh, the very end of 2006. Oh, okay. Uh, Latecomer. Yeah, <laughs> Well, it's all ancient history now. Yeah, so, yeah, just years and years of shooting this and that and, you know, trying to figure out what people want and, is it on white? Is it, you know, on location? What's the style? Yeah. So. Totally. So we've, and we've all seen it evolve a lot over time. I mean, both the industry and the aesthetics and the technology and, uh, yeah, a lot of changes. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that because it almost sounds like a reverse engineering approach to, to shooting, you know, photography for, for money, you know, cause you first came out, you know, not as, you know, I mean, I guess you were a hobbyist, right? You yeah, know, you had like a, a feigning interest or something, but it wasn't like you were like, oh, I'm going to have a career in photography. No, yeah, that definitely wasn't something I was thinking of in 2004. Uh, at, at that point, it was, uh, you know, I got a job here in St. Louis uh, working at Boeing and I was doing some 3D work there. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, this photography thing is fun. And, you know, I can bring in some extra money that way. But at the time, you know, I never really thought about having that supplant, you know, my real salary. <laughs> right. Yeah. But That's uh, pretty that, that yeah eventually it happened uh it was a great time to you know be starting and be able to sort of to ramp up with the industry and uh you know i kept saying to my wife i'm making this much can i quit now i'm making this much can i quit now and then she kept saying no no and then eventually (laughs) you know i kind of passed what i was making in enough uh in enough that i was uh i could you know buy my own insurance and all that kind of stuff that comes with being <laughs> self-employed. And she said, okay, go ahead. So I, re- I remember those conversations as well. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of scary. I almost, yeah. I almost found myself getting kicked out of the house. So <laughs> <laughs> for your art, well, it, yeah. it, your story is basically the exact story that all photographers at that time were afraid of. Some normal guy that doesn't know what he's doing is going to go pick up a cheap camera and call himself a photographer and take all our clients away. But then, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 and and so many. Of, yeah, if it wasn't of me, us, it'd be somebody else. Yeah, well, we all turned it into careers. I mean, it's people that wouldn't have been working in this industry if it weren't for sites like iStock Photo. So at the same time, it hurt some people's careers. It created m- many others. Yeah, and I think that there's another interesting point to to point out is that that you know a lot of the people who who went on to become very successful with stock photography. 
started out as designers and, you know, uh, different kinds of art that had nothing to do with photography. And I think that that, you know, says a lot about um, their successes because they were looking at it from a different perspective than, than photographers were. You know, photographers tend to look at, you know, they're, they're kind of purists in a lot of ways. And so, like, a lot of the approaches that, that are more practical are not the approaches that they would take you know, to make a more quote unquote interesting image. And they don't really realize, they think about like what makes it useful instead of interesting, you know? And I think that there's, there's an interesting uh, separation there. Yeah, definitely. I, I've always you know, had the copy space in the back of my mind, you know, how am I going to compose this so that it's easy to drop mm-hmm. something in, you know, uh, you know, what's more useful for this sort of thing that we're shooting today? Is it a vertical or is it, you know, might it end up more, you know, in a magazine on a one page or, you know, a, a you know, blog posting where they prefer a horizontal sort of setup. So, you know, all that kind of thing is always in the back of the mind. Yeah, I think that's just so fascinating because I think that so many people that get into photography, you know, they don't, they're not thinking about, you know, like, how can I make this useful? It's more, I think, I think that the perspective is more like, I hope somebody finds this useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always feel like, how can I empower, how can I empower myself to make this something that people will want to use? think that that's a, a crutch with photography especially um you know if, if you went the route of of going to art school or photo school like you're not necessarily taught how to make art as commerce mm-hmm. and so it's it's learning from people like you is is probably going to get them a lot further than they would just going to you know your typical photography class have you ever taken a different approach to making money from your workshop like have you uh have you do you do commercial stuff on the side or have you ever tried to have like a, a gallery show or oh well uh yeah I've, I've tried to ramp up a little bit this year and doing um like headshots you know outside product work but i mean my main concentration is is definitely the stock i just i've i've always enjoyed the the sort of entertainment aspect of it and I, that's probably why I always wanted to work at Disney because uh, I just like getting stuff out in front of people and, and having them say, Oh, well that's, you know, that worked out pretty cool and it looks neat and uh, you know, it looks professional and that kind of thing. Well, and that feeling of seeing your work all over the world or. Yeah. And I wouldn't give it away for free just to do that. <laughs> I, I know a lot of, you know, um, people who would consider themselves, you know, artists or whatever that, you know, people that post on Flickr and that kind of thing. And they go, Oh, you know, I shot this great picture and it's great to see it on the cover of national geographic. And I'm okay with that. You know, maybe they do it more as, as a hobby and that's fine for them, but it's not, that's not my main motivation is getting things out there, but it's a nice, you know, little adrenaline rush <laughs> on the side. Mm-hmm. And I like doing the scheduling of the, you know, the models and finding locations and stuff like that. I do it all. I'm a one man uh, sort of uh, studio, I guess, if you will. Powerhouse. Yeah. yeah I, I, I never, uh, got the inclination to sort of uh, hire people under me. I just, I, I like having the control, but I also, um, in case things tank, I don't want to be responsible for. Um, how do you, how do you treat um, like scheduling your day? Are you, do you kind of do like a normal nine to five weekdays sort of thing? Or are you just always working or? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, once the kids are off to school and after I've hit the gym, you know, whatever, I just, uh, you know, I do whatever needs to be done. And, um, you know, have time. Wait a minute. Hold on. You have time for the gym? <laughs> well, you know they're off. They're off to the bus at six fifty. I go to the gym, you know, until eight. And then, wait a uh, minute. You're up at six a.m. <laughs> well, I'm up at like five forty-five. I got to make oh breakfast. No wonder you're successful. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't do as much as you, and I don't have time for the gym. So obviously, I'm doing right. something wrong. <laughs> well, the gym does get you in a good mood to start doing stuff for the day. So I've heard. I've heard people talk about this. That you know. Um, people will get up extremely early and be a lot more active than I am. And I know all those things would benefit my lifestyle, but I just mm-hmm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I, I can't stay up that late at night. I fall asleep right away, but I'll get up early if there's stuff that needs to be done. And, um, you know, uh, just like I said, you know, you go to the gym, you get back, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm revved up. I'm ready to go. And, uh, you know, so what do I need to do today? <laughs> I can't do it later in the day because, you know, once, for just for me, once I start eating throughout the day, then I just feel like, oh, I don't want to do any physical activity. So first thing in the morning is great. <laughs> awesome. How often do you shoot in a normal week? Uh, well, I try to schedule, you know, maybe two or three model shoots a month. Uh, they're a little bit more um, involved now. Uh, when it was more shooting isolated 
people and groups and things like that is a little bit easier. But you know, having locations and having to cart stuff there and uh, having larger groups and plus the cost. Yeah, it's such a different experience uh, doing like a group shoot or or yeah, bringing a location into it. Like once it goes beyond a wall in the background, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, or an outdoor location, like you know, one or two people outdoors or in the studio is so different from three or four people on a, like a set. Yeah. So the, the most, the two most recent things I did, um, I shot at our uh, local airport and I had uh, four models there. So that was, you know, that took a lot of extra work getting the paperwork and making sure everybody was going to show up. Cause it was a weekday and my models are real people. I mean, you know, they do a little modeling on the side, but they're not full-time models. So I got to, you know, find people who are available. And then, uh, last weekend I shot in a new, uh, community style office, lots of glass and, and, uh, very cool lounge area and stuff like that. Um, and that was eight, seven people. I was shooting for eight, but I couldn't get another one at the last minute. So seven people, but you know, it was, again, I had to, you know, pack all my stuff up, get it down there make sure everybody shows up. And so yeah, it's just a little more involved than, uh, businessman on white or whatever yeah it's a, it's a lot of work to do on your own for sure and it can be daunting as hell i i feel you i've, I've always worked on my own as well and and for a lot of the same reasons uh you know like I, I don't want to have to feel responsible for employees because i just feel like this this business is is wild and crazy and so like it just it, it makes me nervous to have to do that so i end up putting everything on my own which ends you know in the end i end up doing a lot less there's things to say like positives and negatives obviously but i do wish that i had the 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 courage or whatever it takes to to grow beyond that (laughs) yeah i applaud people who can do that (laughs) it can be a whole lot of work to organize other people too just to get somebody to understand what it is you're really going for and i think that's the, the the biggest problem for me is that just knowing how hard it is to organize models it's like you know it's another thing to to organize people who i can't pay very much you know, like, how am I going to tell, you know, people to that are going to be assistants or handlers or whatever, you know, to be there all the time if I can't, you know, give them the, the kind of money that, that they deserve people require to be there all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought about it. And I, you know, I thought, well, what, you know, what would I pay an assistant, you know, full time, I guess, to help me do things, you know, $10 an hour? I wouldn't do it for $10 an hour, yeah. but somebody else right. might. What we're doing right now, I mean, right. I already work in a, in a team situation with the two of us with my wife, but we are also, we have an assistant that comes on part-time and he's a high school student. And so, you know, he gets paid uh, like a little more than minimum wage, a bit better than he'd get at the local fast food place. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool experience for him too. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would have much preferred to do something like this as a first job than, um, than, than that. But, but at the same time, part of the issue becomes that he can't always be there. I mean, he's in school still, so he's only available so much and we can't fully count on him or make him like a, a big part of the, the overall system. We need to be able to continue when he's not there. And when he comes, it's just a little bonus. Um, so I don't know if we have it all figured out yet, but it's definitely been helpful. I mean, he's, he's been really great. So right. that's something that we've been toying with as well is is bringing on somebody for the summertime just to, just to kind of see how it goes and, you know, but somebody young that, that, you know, is going to learn a lot. That's really interested in the business. Um, the problem, um, well, I'd carry lights and stuff, <laughs> but also like, uh, you know, manage a lot of the stuff that I can't like, um, keywording and, and, you know, uh, backing up files and, and putting things where they need to go. Like there's, there's a ton, ton of stuff like that. I found the most yeah. helpful thing he's been working on is that often after a big shoot, cause we also shoot a lot, like, you know, a wedding is like 7,000 photos and, uh, even like a regular portrait session, sometimes like two or 3,000 photos, not, not, not for like one person portrait, but something like okay. that. <laughs> but yeah, so like there'll be, there's a lot to sift through. And having him do a first pass can be really helpful of like, find everything that's blurry, all the blinking, all the garbage and like, just clear it out, take off the top 20, 30%. And then once, once we do more of like refined pass through it, we aren't, there, there isn't as much clutter there. So that that's been really helpful. Yeah, I'd be nervous about that because I'd be worried that, that some of the really great out of focus ones that, that really work. 
would get <laughs> yeah but that's that's part of bringing somebody you know like really onboarding him and getting him on the team and like this is what good out of focus is and this is what bad out of focus is right well, I've I've trained people in this, and I can tell you it takes months. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. But you, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it it's hard to. It, sometimes it feels worth it. Sometimes it feels like it's a big investment. But over on average, I think it's been worth it. And I think at some point you have to. It's whether you are comfortable or not handing over that control as well. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're not, if you can never be comfortable with it. The, that's kind of then it's your decision whether you want to pursue it or not. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking if I was uh, doing video or more video, that I would definitely like to have a helper because it's some of that just the processing and the rendering of the finals. You know, it's just time consuming and just the kind of thing you have to watch and you know handhold. So it'd be nice to have somebody do that, and I could just you know, do the shooting. <laughs> well, yeah, he's actually done for a few of the videos we did. He did the rough cuts as well. I should also just give him credit. Alan, if you're listening, you're awesome. <laughs> but so he'll go through and like pull out all the, uh, the, the, I, mean, I basically say find everything that is good at all and just fill the timeline with it. And then I'll kind of come back in and, uh, turn it into a bit more of a story, but it's a similar process, but th- that's a great example of when you might need help. Though. I mean, in, vid- in the video world, very few people work solo. Like it's not, uh, a one man thing. Usually you kind of need a team to, to get stuff done. That's what I always tell people as far as from what I've seen, you, you need a crew of something just for the equipment or on the sound or direct the focus or to, you know, mm-hmm. just, you don't have enough hands. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of the uh, perspective that I think that I've picked up from you, Tyler, just talking about it is that like, there's just no way that you can do that stuff by yourself. Like you're going to need a crew Yeah, and yeah, they're and all going to need to know what they're doing. You can do there's all these things you can do. Like you can do a certain kind of video completely alone. That's more of a documentary style. You're just kind of walking around filming what you see and you can edit that into something beautiful. I mean, there's no, there's no rule saying that that is not a valid type of storytelling in, in right. film, but it's uh, that's all you can do. Basically you, you, you hit a, a, a ceiling pretty quickly of what type of work you can produce or what kinds of camera move. Like, many common camera moves you couldn't do without a second camera operator, without somebody pulling focus, for example. Another reason I'm not doing video. (laughs) Yeah. One time, uh, Bruce and I made a little indie short film that we shot in LA and the, sorry, who's Bruce, Bruce uh, Livingstone, the Bruce that that we all know, uh, from my stock photo. I've heard of (laughs) He, uh, yeah. So he produced it. he, like bought a script and found actors and uh, he was living in LA and I was in Calgary. So he put it all together and then I came down and, and directed it. Uh, but it was, I don't know. It was really hilarious because the first time I'd really worked on a real team. Uh, but a lot of it was shot in a car. So we had car mounts like on the front and the sides and there was no room for a crew. So I don't know if this is how everybody else does it. It meant that I was just laying on the floor of the back seat watching through a little video monitor and kind of like yelling things to the actors in the front. And this is in an old vintage, uh, like unair conditioned boiling hot California car. And, uh, I was like, I guess this, this is what movie making magic is. It's laying on the floor of a car. Um, but yeah, it was kind of this weird you did a great job. I, I, I saw the video. You did oh, a great job. Thanks. Looking back at it. I mean, there's a million things that changed, but that was part of why I wanted to do it is I, I know I have to make all these mistakes before I can learn right. from any of them. So mm-hmm. for me, that was putting myself through film school, basically. Nice experience. Great teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, your stock question before, um, I'd said I did, two to three major shoots a month or so. But then I try to fill that in with uh, just some other, you know, conceptual stuff or objects or backgrounds or things like that. And, you know, depending on what it is, you know, it may go one place, it may go another place. So um, yeah, it's do, always up to me. Do you ever do that kind of just like wandering and finding stuff? Like looking at your work, it feels like a lot of it's really like produced, like you've thought about it and planned for it and you have, you know, marks that you want to hit. Um, and are you sometimes also just like doing you know going for a photo walk i don't i don't know i it's i'd rather just walk and use my eyes um, i just mm-hmm. i find 
you know, when you're doing just one-offs like that, you know, you, even if you get a great shot of a leaf or reflection or, or something like that, it just takes, you know, time later to bring it home and process, you know, dump it and process it and keyword it and upload it. And, uh, I, you know, it may, I, I find that the things that are more profitable for me are the things I plan out more. Right. Or I also feel like there's maybe a level of momentum when there's a whole shoot. You know, you know that all of these photos are going to have at least these five keywords and they're all going to be processed in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. I, I try to do larger sets just because it, when you take that cost, you expand it you know, across the set. You know, the cost per image is less, but as long as you're, you know, as long as you plan it and vary it enough so they're not all just similar, you know, slightly different angle changes and things like that, you know, they'll all find their own audience mm-hmm. probably. And how do you make your decisions about the next topic to shoot like the next um, theme. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's always hard. Um, You know, a lot of it depends on time of year. Um, Some years I'm really into doing holidays and I'll, you know, I'll plan ahead of time and think, well, what haven't I done for Halloween, you know, in the past, or I, you know, what can I do for Christmas this year? And then some years I just try to ride on what I already have because I really don't feel like, you know, pulling out the tree in August or, uh, you know, costumes in the middle of uh, you know july and that kind of thing or so. even just you know hunting for new props in in those really you know desert-like yeah, you, conditions of yeah, the, you of the year. Mistletoe, mistletoe and it's you know not november <laughs> i've tried yeah it doesn't work which is funny because when i lived in florida we had to eradicate a couple of trees of mistletoe so i had all the mistletoe in the world but um, <laughs> yeah they don't people just don't sell it you know, aside from November, December, but hey, yeah. Can so you ship me some, <laughs> some yeah. I've asked them. I mean, they'll respond to me and say, "Yeah, we it just we don't do it until then." <laughs> so yeah, that costumes uh, you can't find Easter egg dye in December, so you got to save it from the year before. You know, uh, well, or especially buy it on super discount right after the season's yeah. over and then save it. Oh yeah, definitely. I've got some downstairs. I, I'm I'm still planning to do some in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, that I can save for next year. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, holidays, and then I, you know, I kind of look back. What haven't I I done recently, and um, you know, what can I get access to? So it, you know, for the airport thing, I I rented you know access to an airport airport back in 2013. You know, but I shot it with a specific style and a specific group of people, and I was able to gain access again to a different airport. Um, and I've got you know sort of a different shooting style now, um, and so that you know that was something I could revisit. Um, and get a whole different set of things. You know, t- technology always changes, you know, new mm-hmm. pads, new phones, new clothes, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, well, and we evolve as artists and people. So, yeah. So the look always, you can look at the two sets and they'll, I think they look completely different. And, uh, even office stuff, the office set, I think looks a lot different than it did. So, and I hadn't done any office in a while. So that was kind of fun to get back into that sort of environment, see what I could come up with. So, yeah, you know, it's what haven't I done lately? What's coming up? What's new? Um, what new people do I have uh, available to me? Because it's, it's yeah. kind of hard to find models, too. You know, it's uh, these days it's a lot of friends of model friends I already have. So right. it's like uh, we're two connections away. <laughs> yeah, you've built up a nice little network, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and, and they're all they're all great. You know, you, you sort of take what they're – sort of what the, what their specialness about them is and try to accentuate that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then Keep they move on. Yeah. And then they tend to move away. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got but this, I got you this think one. You have a problem. You don't, you know, like I live in, I live in DC. I mean, this, this, there is no more transient city. <laughs> oh, that's true. But at least you got, I mean, that's like the melting pot of the United States sort of, I mean, everybody comes there, but here in yeah. St. Louis, we're all farmers and stuff. So <laughs> We uh we all need to end up at an event together again sometime. Yeah, it'd be cool to to see in, in real life. But well, see that's the that's the funny thing is you know I've I've had beers with Sean. I think I'm the only person with Stocksy that's actually had beers. Well, no, I Sean. met Sean in in France. Oh no, Austin. That's where you were. Austin, Sorry, France. it was, it was okay. like yeah, Austin, France. You've been there, right? <laughs> No, uh, how's, sorry. How's it was, it was like in this... Austin, France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just found those pictures again the other day. How are they selling? Yeah, they're nowhere. They don't have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and well, right now uh, you're you're uploading to to Stocksy and Shutterstock. Is that kind of your main? Yeah, well, I've got um, I've got a variety of micro stock you know, quote 
quote-unquote microstock sites. So um, I started out with um, deposit photos and graphic leftovers, uh, you know, when when I sort of went independent. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then I sort of expanded that to Fotolia recently, uh, Dreamstime, Shutterstock. Oh, okay. Uh, well, tell me about that, actually. Do we, how do you organize photos across so many different platforms like that? I, I had thought about that as well when I went independent. And the idea of managing the old photos that I was bored of in 20 different places felt mm-hmm. like more work than I could possibly take on so yeah i, I agree it's it's funny because i got the most on shutterstock but the the last couple sites have i've been on uh, it, i kind of slowly just dribble them on because i don't want to upload again yet the same thing again and mm-hmm. whatever so and i know there's apps out there that'll uh, make that easier but um are you doing it by hand then or you... yeah i just upload you know via the web interface Okay. And then what are you doing for managing like metadata and model releases and stuff? The guy was an obstacle was that moving away from iStock, I didn't have my model releases in a way that I could easily just yeah, re-upload them or keywords. Absolutely. Um, so normally when I do my shoots, I'll, uh, you know, I'll dump my memory cards, you know, onto my disc and then I'll have a folder with all the PSD files that have been processed and I'll put a, I'll drop the model releases into that folder and, uh, you know, I used to, when I was on iStock, do all my keywording on site. So once I went independent, I had to go mm-hmm. back and re-keyword, you know, 8,000 images. So I, if anybody's listening, I highly suggest keywording <laughs> InBridge or Lightroom or yeah. Photoshop. Don't rely on an on-site thing. That way you'll be prepared. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, now I, I can I can echo that. I, <laughs> I learned the same lesson the same hard way. <laughs> yeah. So now I, I've got... Um, a couple dozen hard drives with all the um, raw images and everything. But so now I take those keyworded ones and put them onto one drive. So all, all of my final work is on one drive. So if the house burns down, I can just grab that one drive and, you know, run. Um, but it makes it easy to find, Oh, that shoot or this shoot or whatever. It's all in. <laughs> as folder. long as you're there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should probably get an offsite solution. As well. Yeah. That's, that's my in-laws uh, basement. So I keep a couple drives there too. Uh, and then I have um, an Excel file where I list um, all the shoots, uh, the number of images per shoot, and then wow. what I have on each site. Um, so I have a column, you know, for Shutterstock and Fotolia or whatever. It says, um, you know, there were 70 shots for this shoot. There's 35 left to go on this site, and there's 50 left to go on this site. So when I upload some more, you know, I just change the numbers. And I keep track of what I've uploaded by having individual for a shoot, I will have um, a set of folders for each site that says what's waiting and what's gone already or Impressive. what's going. Um, yeah, so and since I struggled know, with that. Storage is cheap, time. so copies and copies of images, it's okay. They're just JPEGs. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of right. how I do it. Well, uh, I, I tried doing that, and um, I guess I'm, I'm not – admittedly, I'm not very organized with stuff like that. Like I, I – um, my Lightroom catalog is, is beautifully organized, but outside of that, everything else is just a nightmare. So I, I tried to, to organize it like that because when I left iStock, you know, I was, I was basically, you know, jumping off of the precipice without a, without a parachute, you know, it was yeah. a huge, huge risk. And, you know, I wasn't forced out. So it was like, I was taking it upon myself and it was, uh, it was madness basically. And that's what I meant by like almost getting kicked out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I was in a mad rush to to put everything that I knew I wasn't going to send to Stocksy everywhere else. And so doing that in a way that actually made it work was was one of the uh, that was probably my least favorite time as a professional photographer in my life. That was yeah, awful. Re-uploading model releases everywhere and I know some of them have uh like CSV files you can make that associate file numbers with model releases and things, but I was I just mm-hmm. like I can't learn a different you know, you know, system for each site. I'm just going to go ahead and manually do it and get it done with. And, you know, it's fine. It Sometimes it gives me something to do when I can't think of anything else to work on. I'll upload some more images. I've got about, you know, four or 5,000 um, micro style images that I, I'm sending these places. And I know that's a drop compared to some people um, out there, but uh, it's doing okay for me. So I've got those. Well, and so um, many of these have already been proven assets, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, some of them sell better than others, but, uh, you know, with the long tail, eventually, you know, everything will get picked up somewhere by somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, an so, interesting uh, phenomenon just, I've seen is that things will really pick up in one place and not others. You, you, the, your biggest selling photo of all time on iStock may only ever make you $20 on 
uh, when it goes somewhere else. Like I found it, oh, it, totally. it can really shift. Oh God. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's weird. Like I, um, my best is actually, it's a shot of the white house and it never sold on iStock. Not even once. Hmm. My, uh, I think my best seller on iStock was, a you know, a service rep headset shot mm-hmm. like 10,000 downloads or whatever. It's, it's ubiquitous across the internet. People steal it all over the place. So I can't even <laughs> track of it. So, um, but now it's out there and I, I swear it's been downloaded maybe 10 times. Right. So yeah. Well, it's because everybody can get it for free. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, the site, the way the site serves up stuff too, you know, where if it, if it's seen, people will buy it. If it's not, then you're out of luck. I have one that became a pretty popular internet meme. Um, I think the easiest way to see it, it, uh, yeah, if you search for mustache man, uh, it's, it's up near the top of Google. Uh, it's the one with the guy with the shiny hair, but it became a, a mean of like, you know, dapper guy. I don't even remember what they called it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's weird that feeling of like, you kind of stop owning your own image. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it just tell me about it. takes on its own life. My best-selling image is like if you Google "confusion man" or "confused man," like my I'm oh, right. the first result, and now it's it's gone like past just being the 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 one that everybody con- consistently asks me every single day on Facebook. Is this you? To all of a sudden, <laughs> it was illustrated. Like somebody illustrated my face, and and you know, oh, yeah, made it you do look confused. I, yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, I, apparently I, I just, I own that, you know, I am the confused man. So <laughs> there's actually a podcast that I really like that's using my, my mustache photo as it's art, which is fun. Cause now like it's, it, that photo hasn't even been for sale for years now. And every day on my pod catcher, I see, uh, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's see the micro, uh, you were asking about where I sell. So the, the micros are a big part. And then of course, Doxy, um, is my main focus. I'll, I'll still shoot, you know, some micro style stuff occasionally, um, just for fun. Uh, but I don't, it doesn't, the time I've spent doing it doesn't, um, pay off if you will, as well as when I concentrate on the, um, the harder to do more, uh, more stylish stuff that goes on, you know, say Stocksy or West end or, uh, you know, those kind of sites. So I, mm-hmm. I've got my stuff on, um, mostly my higher end work is on Stocksy. I've got a little bit on West end. Um, and then everything that I can I put on photo shelter, uh, self-hosted. So, you know, you pay monthly, um, to host your images and, uh, you know, people can shop there as long as they can find it. So, you know, you put as many How links that, out there. How's that can. working out for you? With sales? Uh, you know, a little bit more, it's, sometimes um that what it costs to host per month and sometimes uh, a couple times more um so it does okay i don't think i've had any zero months but then again people tend to hunt me out i guess um they'll find my images and sometimes they'll contact me via email and sometimes i think they just find their way there okay so yeah um i'm really curious because you know i had different results but who was the most accommodating of these sites um in terms of taking on your images I actually, they're all pretty happy to have me. Um, and they, a lot of them contacted me after the whole, uh, you know, I stock Google Getty thing back then. Um, but deposit photos, um, was very nice, um, and helpful. And, uh, most of them though, they were like, well, you know, we'll send us your stuff. We'll upload it all and keyword it and whatever thing, or, you know, take care of everything. And I just didn't feel like, letting go of it like that. So I said, that's okay. <laughs> you, know, was, you know, as long as, uh, you know, you just, you know, your, the inspections are fair and, uh, you know, you give me access uh, or, or I don't have any problems signing up, you know, with my information and things like that, you know, as long as I can just do it and, and get it done, I'll be happy to do it myself. So. Yeah. I, I had the, um, deposit photos was, was easily the, the, the quickest growing portfolio for me. Cause they were mm-hmm. just like, Hey, upload everything <laughs> and we'll take care of everything for you. And I was like, deal. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, I, it, uh, graphic leftovers, they're not um, accepting images right now. They're sort of retooling, but, um, is actually from St. Louis, uh, the owner, mm-hmm. Kelly, uh, she's not in St. Louis right now, but you know, it started here in St. Louis. So I was like, well, that's great. I'm going to definitely apply there and, and contribute there. And, um, you know, the process of uploading and just, um, 
you know, throw in model, you didn't have to associate model releases with images specifically. You didn't, there's no categories. You didn't have to, you know, it was just upload and there it is. It's good. So, you know, I love that. Any site that makes um, clicking boxes for model releases, you know, is a plus in my book. Um, I, kind of, I think the Fatolio um, interface <laughs> for uploading is, is not too bad. You know, there's, it's easy to, you know, click off model releases and things. So everybody's got their own. I don't. I haven't uploaded there in a while, but I found it to be the slowest. Uh, uh, well, they just uh, took away their double category um, thing. Now you only have one category. <laughs> oh, well, that that helps at least one click. I want to make sure I fit in a plug for a friend of ours' product. Uh, if anybody else is doing this sort of thing, is Stock Performer, which will basically give you uh, analytics about selling on all of these different sites. So, I mean, I'm not sure if you're using Stock Performer much, Sean, but. Uh, it's, it is a really awesome service for tracking how uh, images are doing across all of the different platforms. It's yeah, really definitely. I mean, you know, we use it as part of Stocksy. Yeah. Um, you know, they handle the back end of all the, the sales and things like that. Um, so I've used it in conjunction with that. I just haven't ponied up the, the subscription fee to use yeah. it. <laughs> but, any, but anybody dealing with this sort of thing, like check it out. It's totally worth considering. They, definitely. They really I, I need to do it one of these days, but I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, well, and if you weren't with Stocksy, then you, you'd have to subscribe to try it. So anybody yeah. that's not with Stocksy, go check it out. Yeah. Well, I think they have a free tryout, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 It's I an amazing you- service. It's just I don't have enough, um, I don't have enough going on with the, all the other sites to, to make it really worth it. So I'm happy to get whatever I get from the other sites because I'm completely not invested <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, some of them, it's just, uh, there it is. I don't look at it more than once a month. Now I know what some of these hobbyists on ISOC were talking about for 10 years. Oh, I never come in. And I come in <laughs> once a month. And I was like, how can you do that? I'm there, you know, every 10 every seconds. minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also, I, I find once, the less active you are, the less active you become. You know, like if there's, if you know you haven't uploaded anything for months, you just start to kind of forget to care. <laughs> I, I usually start to care around the time that, that I'm notified that I received a payment. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh wow, I still have uh, photos there. Yeah. I totally forgot that I that I did all that work. <laughs> yeah, Pond Five is nice because um, I just got an automated payment from them yesterday. Oh yeah, that's yeah, thanks. Yeah, I like the I've received automated payments from a few things. It's really, it's a nice way to do it. Yeah, that's the best way. Um, I just don't. You know, for me, I have no time to to go and and manage all that. And it would be kind of a shame to realize like, oh, I've got a nice amount of money just you know, sitting there collecting interest for someone else. Yeah. Do you guys ever sell your photos on like products or anything? Do you do like society six or, uh, sell prints or have you guys made any money selling prints ever? I, I have sold a couple of I haven't, you know, I, in all honesty, like I, I, when, when I left, I stopped, that was like, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this as well. And, you know, it just turned out that, I just didn't have the energy to, to really manage it, nor did I really have an idea of what people wanted to, to buy of mine. Where were you it putting them? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, Society Six. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I wanted to. You know, I, I liked the look of Created. I was going to join them. All right, I think I did start an account. Um, they look like they have a, a nice service, but there again, it was just like I don't think that it's it's worth my time. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, I don't think I shoot the kind of thing that people would want on a pillow. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, even even when in the past I've gone to try to find something of mine that I could print out large and just put in the background of of one of my shoots, it's really hard for me to find something that would look like something you would have hanging in your room. I would love to get that phone support woman printed onto a pillow and send it to you as a Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's out there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could just get it for free now. So. Finding, yeah. I'm, now I'm thinking that my confused man belongs on a pillow. <laughs> you know, actually, it might. It might. I, I was thinking a shower, <laughs> a shower curtain might be appropriate. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I just, but yeah, people talk about prints. I just don't think that I have the uh, sort of raw material that would make for a good print thing. I, I would have to. Some of these uh, landscapes that people do are amazing. Um, the saturated yeah, I was, colors. I was just going to say that I think that, that there's quite a lot of people at, that are members of Stocksy that that do have a lot of print worthy material, and it would you know it'd be awesome if we could figure out a way to. You know, Some of their work is, I mean, check out Kevin Russ's Society Six for the 
an ultimate example. Just really amazing. And really um, successful too, right? Totally. Yeah. And for, yeah, for him, I think it's more of a real part of his, uh, his business because, because he's shooting that kind of work that people want to put up in their homes. So. Yeah. You know, if I was you know traveling the country in a mini bus or whatever and had, you know, access to all these amazing places that I was going and stuff, but, um, and people, you know, yeah. And I'm yeah, people and I, but you know, I'm here in St. Louis and I really don't travel that much. You know, I've got the family and everything, which I, you know, I love doing, right. you know, I love having it. <laughs> so it just doesn't lend itself to that sort of thing, which is, um, we, we all can't do everything. We exactly. created one. Uh, we created a society, society six count and it has a few photos in there, but the, the worst part, even worse than it not selling very often was the, the margins are just so low. Like, compared to licensing your image or doing commercial work or like oh, yeah, you know, because there's, customer there's work product, there's material going into exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I, was it like Etsy that or, or somewhere that or maybe Redbubble or Zazzle? I don't know, but they only pay like 10% yeah. on, on the cost of the thing. And I was, why even waste the time? Yeah, exactly. It's pennies on the dollar uh, compared to when you're like, like what I love about, licensing stock is it's a digital image and you can you can sell the same work that you did many many times and there's so few opportunities like that and i think i I mean i think it's why so many people want to do stock photography because that's really appealing take the photo once and sell it ten thousand times and you know it seems like a dream come true so yeah there's there's more opportunities for that you know aside from apps you know other things like that um on creative market people are crazy for putting together um, packages of, uh, like they call them mock-ups there, but like blank notebooks or blank laptops, like 50 different images of laptops. Um, they'll do fonts, they'll do all kinds of, uh, things, you, you know, Photoshop actions and, um, you know, there's other, there's other layers that you can put on letters to make them look like certain looks, you know, that people have come up with, you know, packages of this stuff. So all kinds of digital products. Yeah, you can buy stock anything now. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, you can just shorten that to you can buy anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's I, what I think is going to be interesting, and I'm sure this is already existing in places that I don't see it, but is that as the whole maker movement of 3D printing picks up steam, you're going to be able to buy stock products. Mm-hmm. So it won't be it won't be the same concept anymore because you. But it is it is you're buying a digital design like a 3D like render. Yeah, you're licensing a concept, and it's just going to show up in your home, uh, like out of out of the plastic that you pre-purchased at the store, and that's going to be really interesting. That is cool. I I just got um, was it on Microsoft Group? I was reading. Uh, anyway, uh, the the makers of Turbo Squid, which is a site where you can buy 3D models that you then render in your production or whatever, they have a new site um, called Pixel Squid. Uh, where they they take these 3D models and you're able to spin them around and actually um, pick an angle that you want to see it from. And then they render out like shadows, lights, layers of all types for anything you might need in your design. And then you get that P- PSD file. So it makes it easy to drop whatever that 3D object is. So there, you know, there's another 3D object um, marketplace, sort of like prints. Yeah, I'm sure you, you, you know more about these than I do, but... Uh, so let's... Uh... Let's kind of start wrapping it up with stuff that we're yeah. into this week. Do you want to start, Sean? I warned you that you were going to have to do it, and you said you had something in mind. Um, yeah, so well, he just, said he, he had something he could talk about. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't, so <laughs> you're one step ahead of me. Yeah, well, um, let's see. Something interesting to talk about. Uh, I was talking about Disney before and how our uh, the animation studio in Florida closed in 2004 uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, about 150 people, you know, uh, animators or employees and their families um, had a little reunion down in Orlando. So I went down for that, hooked up with um, you know, a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while. And it's, you know, it's more fun to talk than just Facebooking. Uh, but it's, you know, it was neat to see what and hear what everybody's doing. Um, one guy who runs a small studio in Orlando uh, is doing some Kickstarter um, campaigns, Uh They've taken some ideas they've had and turned them into like kids' books, um, so they're they're kickstarting that. And uh, nice. you know, other people are, are are working. One guy's working in a in a church building sets, you know, for their big productions. One of those uh, big churches in Orlando. Uh, you know, other people are are teaching and selling lessons online. So I, it just it kind of shows there's opportunities for everybody on the internet. 
now, which is fun. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, it was just good to connect with, uh, old friends like that. So, yeah, that's cool. Especially that are doing such interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's a little, it's a little humbling really, uh, to see what some of these guys do because, you know, I look at, obviously we all have sort of our specialties and, you know, I guess there I was sort of one of the 3d guys, which was a little alien to them, but you look at the, the drawing, um, work that some of them do. And it just makes me go, wow, you're, you're a God. <laughs> well, and at the point that you were doing it, 3d would have been used in a really different way. I imagine, right. Because these are, uh, more or less 2d movies. How, how did that integrate at the time? Yeah. So the, the stuff we were doing was all 2d. So our 3d work had to, had to be rendered in a style that would not make it stand out. Um, and you know, could easily be incorporated into the into the film. So, what would be an uh, example of that? Like, what would, what's something that would need to be three D in a two D film? Um, like hard objects that change perspective, or even um, even uh, soft objects that change. You know, it's it's hard sometimes for an animator to get all the lines right as something is turning in space. Um, so, for an example, uh, in Lilo and Stitch, there's a scene uh, towards the end where uh, there's a fire truck. Uh, Lilo's blown up her house and, you know, there's a fire truck, you know, traveling up the street. So I modeled the fire truck, but it makes it easy for them to animate it in 3d. You know, you've got all the parts, all the you know, wheels are turning and hoses and things, and they all just get rendered automatically, but you know, in a style that makes it fit into the film. Right. Yeah. Actually, when I, when I start talking about it, the place that I can imagine it easiest, probably because the style is so simple as in South park, they've gotten more and more into doing these really big 3d camera moves where because it already is all being done i think it, the whole thing is being done in the same software i think uh, yeah. but all of a sudden they'll just whip the camera in this like you're looking at the flattest most <laughs> wretched cartoon that looks like it's on cardboard and all of a sudden there'll be this big camera pull that like wraps around the whole scene and all of a sudden there's there's all this depth that you didn't realize just, was there oh wow <laughs> yeah. yeah the yeah, simpsons so actually they push it really hard too lately yeah in the simpsons yeah you can definitely see sometimes where you go that's something 3d because <laughs> nobody could animate that yeah but that's awesome. that is so cool yeah so uh yeah the i did spaceships uh lilo and stitch and um in brother bear uh we did some other oh, herds the herds of caribou that come running down the mountain I mean, you're from Canada, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I could render those with my uh, eyes closed. Yeah. Crowds of fish, uh, things like that. I, I did. Um, I got to so, rewatch all these movies now. I'm going to look for your name. Yeah, actually, uh, if you watch Lilo and Stitch, there's a, at the beginning, there's a huge police, uh, police ship looks like a whale. Um, and it's got this sort of modeled, uh, streamy texture on it. And uh, in there, I put my initials in the texture. So. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. That's a great Easter egg. So, somebody <laughs> find a screenshot. Right? Yeah. I tried to put my son's name in, in uh, a scene in brother bear, but again, covered up by traditional water splashes. So oh. yeah. What are you gonna do? What do we, Cameron? You got anything? Um, yeah, I think I think I have a problem. I'm going to confess. Like, I think that that I'm, I probably need to see some counseling. Oh, I know what it's going to be. <laughs> Tyler, you just got really quiet. Oh, sorry. Sorry. There you are. So yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I bought another camera. Oh, exciting! I'm pretty yeah. sure this is a film camera. Yeah, this is a film camera again. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is that the, the excuse is, I should say that I keep telling my wife who keeps looking at me with a very, very curious expression. Reasonably so. Yeah. 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 Is that, you know, like I'm, it's just, it keeps me interested, right? Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm fascinated with all these, these older cameras and you know, the, the, the truth is that like, there's some like really like amazing gear out there that's really cheap because it's you know more or less unwanted um really cheap relative to its original value correct or its yeah. true value or even, or even to you know uh the digital counterparts of today mm-hmm. you know so the the thing i got this week um you know and i mean it's not like you know we're not talking like astronomical expense here um but I uh, got the uh, Fuji Class um, S, and it hasn't arrived yet, so I, I don't have it in my hands or anything. But um, I did I did purchase it um, uh, upon the uh, advice of our friend Kirk Maston, who yeah. who claimed it was his very favorite uh, 35 mil 
compact. It's really beautiful. The first time I, I saw it was when I first met him, like met, met up with him in real life and he was carrying it around. And that's what led me to buy the context T2 that I now have. Oh my is, gosh. <laughs> is see, seeing and how, now look where we've <laughs> exactly seeing how nice a film point and shoot can be. I didn't realize it until I saw that camera and I, I had been considering getting that one um, for a while. I just went in a different direction, but it, yeah, it looks beautiful and yeah, and it's got you know it's got the same coding technology on the lens as as the uh, as the X series cameras. So I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, I paid I paid three fifty for this camera versus you know the the twelve ninety nine to buy an X one hundred. Yeah, well, you know what kills me? I, I was thinking about this in terms of watches because I was talking about my my new watch last week. Mm-hmm. And hello, Kitty. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's the Disney Mickey Mouse watch. No, no, no but I got a uh, like a mechanical. Um, automatic watch. So there's no batteries and it's going to kind of just keep ticking as long as it's uh, as you on do. my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, you know, people, people that have a watch collection would collect this kind of watch, like all mechanical watches typically. And it, that the same thing has happened with cameras that you wouldn't find anybody building up a collection of digital cameras. If you're going to collect cameras, it needs to be mechanical. And unfortunately, there aren't many older uh, or sort of mechanical film cameras being produced anymore. Like because that's dying, there is no such thing as really collecting cameras at this point in a way that makes sense. Once you have it for more than five years, it becomes a little bit irrelevant and will just sit on the shelf and uh, digitally rot. Yeah. My G12 uh, just died. So I'm adding that to my collection. Uh, yeah. yeah that, the collection is just the junk drawer. Yeah. A collection of, of, of cameras that you may one day destroy the sledgehammer for. For, for sure, yeah. <laughs> the lens that stuck out, it just cries when I try to turn it off. Oh. Well, and I've thought about this in terms of like, I, I, I like to stare at Leicas a lot. Like they're, they're really beautiful. They're not super practical, but I would love to have one someday. I'd love to have a Leica, but does it make sense to ever buy a digital Leica? Because it will expire compared to buying like an, uh, an M6, which is still completely... And actually, they they updated the mechanical series this year. Um, but the, the M6 was kind of the last fully mechanical, no batteries required. Like a, the, the, yeah, I'm going to answer that for you. And yeah? say, no, there's no point in buying the digital Leica, in my opinion. I just yeah, don't... I, I mean, I guess if you, if you had nothing but like a glass and... Um, you needed to have a digital? Well, like, or you have okay. the means to update your digital as time goes on. Yeah, you have a, a collection of yeah. like a glass and you're going to keep it relatively up to date. In that case, you're a doctor or you're a lawyer and you're not a photographer, right? I mean, you're a hobbyist and you can afford to have, you know, the Rolls Royce camera. Yeah. But, yeah, it, I, but, but whereas it, with film, it would make sense to, I think, to buy something that, like, you know, I'm just buying this because I love it and I can have it for the next 50 years. Absolutely. So, an M6, for example, that completely makes sense. It's part, uh, it can be part of a, a collection of things that you just find beautiful and put on the shelf and, you know, use once a month. Um, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, uh, I think that that's the case with, with several of the cameras that I've purchased is that like they work, you know, like I can use them. So there's, you know, there is an excuse there. Um, but on one hand it's, it's, you know, like I was, I was a big collector when I was a kid, you know, like I had, I actually still have like a a pretty massive comic book collection and uh, even bigger baseball card collection, which is essentially worthless, but um, (laughs) it's like all those digital cameras lying around. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, but you know, like I I always had kind of like a a collection spirit, you know, but as an adult, there's never been a time in my life where I had the means to actually collect anything, you know, never had any money. So, you know, uh, we've, we finally, you know, just paid off some student debts and stuff like that. So like, it, you know, I've been kind of splurging a bit, you know, it's not like we, uh, suddenly won the lottery or anything. It's just that, you know, things, you know, finally, we finally crossed a, a hill, so to speak by paying off all these debts. And so I've been treating myself a little bit. Well, I can't wait to see all these photos lined up and you know, you can put them in a yeah, well, glass case. In a gallery. What I'm doing is, is I'm trying to create galleries with the separate cameras. Cause they all have, you know, they all have their own identity, you know, which is, I, I think that's my favorite, 
favorite thing about shooting the different cameras is that like I get something different from them. It's not necessarily the best thing for, for my professional photography career. Um, because it's not, you know, it's not, there's a, a miscommunication of consistency there. Um, but you know, like I consider my, my photography career to be in the digital realm anyway. I so, think also th- there was more personality to these individual, say point and shoot cameras, especially where you could identify them a little more by the way the image looks, whereas absolutely. a modern digital point and shoot, the goal is to get them all as neutral as possible, basically like as yeah, unoffensive as possible. I don't really, I think that's the, the reason why the, the, the X 100 series is really the only one that's, that's appealed to me. Um, just cause it's, you know, it, it's an amazing piece of machinery and it, and it feels like it has its own identity. Whereas like so many other point and shoot cameras in the digital realm are just, you know, I mean, they might be useful, but like I, I would just prefer to use an iPhone. Yeah. In that case. Yeah. I, I think we um, often but do. like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if you look at, um, the Olympus XA, right. Um, that camera, you can, you can always tell, you know, when you mm-hmm. see the, the, the shots, you're like, I bet that's an XA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way that the flash behaves, like all these little details. And then, you know, the, the particular vignette of that lens and the mm-hmm. sharpness, mm-hmm. you know, like that is, I mean, I'm always amazed by the the images that I see like if you stop down past two point eight, your images are going to be sharp if you you know if you can focus. But it's hard to focus. That's why it is. Yeah. I uh, I have a pick too, but before I do it, I want to try I want to try an experiment. Since uh, since we I, no podcast do this, so I'm just kind of coming up with this bad idea. But since we don't have sponsors on this show, I want to self sponsor it and do a tiny ad spot for our own show. <laughs> um, so th- th- this is basically just a moment to like encourage, Hey, everybody that listens, it would be so awesome if you actually enjoy what we talk about and find it useful that you let a friend know. If you know somebody that is either a professional photographer or a passionate hobbyist that might learn from this kind of thing, just take a second to post a link on Facebook or share it on Twitter or write us a review in iTunes. Cause all of it would help a whole lot. So, um, it would. And, and since you said that, I'm going to go ahead and thank uh, one of my friends, Brittany for doing just that recently. So thanks, Brittany. Hey, that's what we should do. We should ask everybody every week to do it and then thank the person that did it. So, Hey, if you tweet about us or Facebook about us next week, we will thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Free shout outs. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah. My thing is going to be my new backup strategy for my iPhone. I don't think I talked about this. Did I talk about this? So recently Apple released the new photos app, which has the cloud photo syncing built into it. And I'd been waiting for this for a while. I was really excited about it because even my pretty large hard drive on my iPhone six has started to fill up over time. And every time I get a new phone, it fills up a little more because I don't want to delete all my old photos. Um, I try to clear up the junk every once in a while, but I also want a reliable backup. And when the Apple Photos solution came out, it was basically too expensive um, to me. It's a, just a couple bucks a month. It's like two or three bucks a month. But over the course of the year, that's going to add up a lot. And I'm already paying for enough services. So I yeah. looked around to a service I'm already paying for, which is Dropbox, that has a solution for this. It is not quite as integrated as the, uh, the Apple photo solution, but I know I'm going to keep using Dropbox because it's integrated into our business because it's integrated into everything I do every day. I'm syncing stuff back and forth between computers. So I know that I'm going to maintain this Dropbox solution and I'm not sure I might stick with an Apple solution. So instead of paying the exact, you know, doubling my monthly fees, I started using Dropbox's camera sync. So it will automatically upload everything to a specific folder on Dropbox uh, every time I connect to Wi-Fi and launch the app. So the you can do this directly with the Dropbox app or what I've started using is called Carousel, and that's Dropbox's photo solution. And um, it's been pretty great so far. It puts it in a folder that I then tell Dropbox, don't sync this to all my laptops, 
for example, um, selective sync is a really powerful part of lap, uh, Dropbox and I think a key That's part of this recommendation. Yeah, because if you're going to sync, I don't know, like 60 gigs of old iPhone photos, I don't need to have those sitting on all of my hard drives. Definitely like, not. It's actually backed up in the cloud on Dropbox. So like that's kind of enough, but I do, you do need to maintain it on at least one hard drive for Dropbox to keep syncing. So on my primary iMac at the office, that is uploading to a camera's uh, mobile camera folder. And then I use Selective Sync to make sure it doesn't back up to, to anything else. But uh, it's been pretty good. It's a little janky just because you can't see it in your photos app. That's the only downside of it, which is an amazing upside of the Apple photos thing, because you can see everything you ever shot as little thumbnails and it does like on the fly loading of uh, larger. Uh, so like you, it, it only stores the tiniest thumbnail. So you can flip through your, your uh, camera roll. But then when you enter it, it quickly downloads a low resolution one. And then if you like want to edit it, it'll download a full resolution one. So Apple's really smart about it. The carousel app from Dropbox does a lot of the same work, but it's still not the native camera app. So it doesn't have that same built-in feeling, but uh, it, it does mean you can access all your photos from anywhere at any time. So. Oh, that's useful. I, would, I, I just plug my phone in the computer and dump everything every couple months, and then I pick out you know a couple of my favorites, put them into the one folder that I do sync back onto the phone. So I sort of have a folder of my favorites and then a folder of stuff I'm currently oh, yeah. That's a good way to do it. My The big time sync for me would be finding all those favorites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they jump right. out at me. <laughs> but, I mean, that is kind of a better idea, like, to go to I, – I think that would be better. I don't need to store as much as I do on my phone. I just want – the, the good stuff basically. Yeah. And then I have backblaze that, um, you know, backs up the whole lot or desktop. So. Oh, nice. Too. Yeah. I don't have any offsite solution running. We oh, just, it's it saved me so many times. Uh, I, I haven't needed it to save me yet. And I'm, I'm really thankful, but it's still, it allows me to, to sleep at night. So. Yeah. Well, I have had crash plan save me when I was using it once in the past. Oh, no, sorry. At the time actually it was mosey. Uh, and it did save me. And, I'm still not using it now. <laughs> and to explain, which I think I have on previous episodes, but the reason is that it never could catch up with what I was uploading, like not even close to catch up with the amount that was being produced. So it was more than a year behind always. And, and so after a year of running backup, it still hasn't got everything I have shot in that year. And I'm like, what, like how much good is this doing me? And I think it's a lot of it's because in Canada, our upload speeds, like we don't have anything that's all that fast. Like I have the fastest, internet available and it's six megs up yeah mine's 75 so that's completely different yes very very different yeah what brand modem do you (laughs) pretty much it's not that bad i mean it would finish eventually but it's just um, i think we should we should close this out with a shaming of canada (laughs) (laughs) shame canada (laughs) like what's going on with your internet canada come on the What's your upload speed, Sean? Uh, well, I'm supposed to be around 30, but I don't think it ever gets there. And they tell me it's because I'm on wireless and I should go plug my computer into the modem, but I don't. So. Oh, that's true. You should. But it's still, even at its worst, I'm sure it's much faster than mine at its best. So, Yeah. Cool. Well, go thanks a lot for joining us, Sean. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. <laughs> no, really, it's, it's great to have you here. And it's, for anybody that wasn't familiar with Sean ahead of time, he is an expert in this stuff and is also really active on his blog. Uh, so you should be checking that out. He talks about this stuff and is uh, an asset to all of us. And that's yes. Sean Locke, L-O-C-K-E. The other Locke, he's on QI, which, I, I mean, he's good too, but you're better. So Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just Google my name with the E in photography or even without the photography, and you'll find me all over the place. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, you can find me at stallman.com. And you can find Cameron at CameronWhitman.com. There it is. When's your when's your website gonna be up? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> when are you gonna help me build it? Tune in next week to find out when we're gonna work on Cameron's website. I told you, you sent me film. <laughs> I haven't finished any your... rolls of film lately. <laughs> well, that's your problem. <laughs> oh, I know. Anyway. All right, thanks guys. Thanks. Thanks, John. All right, take care, guys. The end.